Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Welcome to Connections. At 80 years old, today's guest is still driven by her faith to give up the warmth of her bed and spend nights on the streets connecting with people experiencing homelessness and listening to their stories. Judy Knotts is an educator and quite a successful person, but she says she found teachers for herself in an unlikely place. Judy, you call Austin, Texas home. Yes, I've been living in Austin since 2000, and um, basically my career has been uh, as a school administrator, as a school head. So quite a different leap between being a school head and, and, and hanging out with homeless people. <laughs> yeah, So, and that's basically what you, you've started doing the last few years, hanging out with homeless people. How did all right. this start? Well, in 2003, um, I was buying a house, and a gentleman came to see me. He was going to be the the organizer of the monies and the funds and everything, and he told me he was going on this street retreat, and I said, what is that? And he said, well, for 72 hours, we will go live on the streets. And I thought, that's really crazy. And the minute he left my office, I thought, I'm going. Huh. And, it, Mike, it wasn't really like a field trip to see how homeless people live. It was basically a little self-journey to figure out who I was. And um, we were dropped off downtown Austin um, early one morning, and no no money, no credit cards, no cell phones. So it was a pretty big leap. But um, I came away transformed. After 72 hours, I thought, my life has been changed. So before this three-day experience, how did you react when you would encounter a homeless person or a person experiencing homelessness? I was probably like most most citizens. Um, I might smile. Maybe the most I did. I never gave money. I never had a conversation. I never waved. Did you find yourself often, um, I, and now I'm a former pastor, and I'm very passionate about helping people in difficult circumstances, but I think a natural reaction that a lot of us have to is often we think, well, they've done this to themselves, right? They've made poor decisions, and so I'm not, right. yeah. Yeah, I was, I was very judgmental, um, particularly being an educator and knowing how important education was and sort of pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Um, it was... I was judging. That's the only way to put it. And it wasn't, it wasn't nice on my, my part. So you did this 72-hour experience. How long did it take for you to, to start changing? Was it an immediate thing or, or you had to take like a week or two to process things? When I came back home, um, and I wasn't the only one. It was a group of us who went out. But we kind of all were dumbstruck. We, we didn't really have language to express how we felt. And I remember two days later, I was in the grocery store and ready to pay my bill. And I held my wallet and I thought, oh, my golly, I have money. I have a credit card. Hmm. I have an identity. I have a license. And it just struck me. I, I, I didn't have that for three days. You know, I, I couldn't buy a cup of coffee. I couldn't do anything. I was just, you know, homeless. And um, it really struck me. And it, it, it changed me, Mike. And I, I, it wasn't like a one-time thing. I kept going back and back and back. I packed and went back the next weekend by myself just to check on people that I had met. Sometimes it was another 72 hours, sometimes it was a weekend, sometimes it was, you know, just an afternoon. And I, I still, I'm, I'm still with the homeless people a lot. I go out in the streets a lot. Can I ask Judith how old you are? Is that okay? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I just, I just had a birthday, so I'm 79. Really? So, so when I first went out, um, I was definitely better shape. I was 63, and um, 
even then, I think it was a little weird because most of the men, people in my group were more men. Uh-huh. And they were like, what's this old lady doing with us? <laughs> but um, I, don't, I don't sleep on the streets anymore. I do sleep. Um, we have, I don't know what you have in Canada, probably not, but when we have a freeze night. We have uh, shelters for homeless people. So I do go to a shelter um, when it freezes, and I sleep with about 100 homeless men. So I'll do that. But I don't sleep on the streets anymore. I stopped that maybe two or three years ago. Judy, what do your friends and your family think about you, a woman who's almost 80 years old, spending the night on the streets with the homeless community? Well, they've kind of grown with me. The, the first uh, t- first time I went out, um, I actually didn't. I have two grown sons. I didn't tell them. I told my boss, um, who was the chairman of our board, and I told my assistant. Uh, I just said, this is where I'm going to be. But I didn't want, I just wanted to worry people because I didn't really know what this was, was, a lot, was about. But... Gradually, as I went more and more, my family, particularly my sons, were very supportive. Um, one year, I had actually I had Thanksgiving at my house for about six homeless people. Wow! And my and my sister said to me, "Aren't you afraid?" And that was maybe five or six or seven years into this new lifestyle. And I thought, no, they really don't still get it. I mean, I, I was I wasn't the slightest bit afraid because I knew these people. I mean, they were they were friends, but they were homeless. So it's taken a long time for people to kind of come along with me, um, and um, some think I'm a little crazy, but <laughs> some think, well, okay, what can we, what can we learn from this? And I, you know, I keep trying to very gently share share my journey. I think you're crazy in an amazing way. I think it's a great <laughs> thing. Um, so here's a question then: like, so why don't you, Judy, just why don't you just give a bunch of money to the homeless shelter? Why go and uh, sleep in the shelter and spend time with the people and sit with them and talk with them. Um, you, Mike, you hit you hit the nail on the head for me because there will always be people who can give. There will always be shelters. But what, what homeless people crave is what you and I crave, and that's connection. And, of mm-hmm. course, that's the name of your program. Yeah. But um, it, it's also love, and that's what I learned. I mean, homeless people, they're just like us in so many ways. Um, they don't have a home right now, but um, they they want to be listened to. They want to be cared about. They want to be loved, and they they gave it to me. It wasn't like I'm giving it back. They give it to me all the time, and I realized that that's that's my mission: just to be with them and let them know that they matter. They matter to somebody. They matter to me. Judy, do you find that you went into this ministering to people, but in the end, they ended up ministering to you? Oh, it happens, it happens to me all the time. Um, I remember one time I, I had bronchitis, and I got a phone call. I didn't recognize the number. This was about 10 years ago. And I thought, who was this? Well, turns out it was two homeless guys that I know sitting on, on a curb with a cell phone, checking, and we haven't seen you in a week. Are you okay? Someone said you had bronchitis. Wow. I mean, you know, who would get a, who would get a call like that? Yeah, I don't, hear, I don't get calls like that from my friends now, right? <laughs> I know. I, I didn't either. I, I think maybe at work they realized I was out, but you know, it was just so touching, and it's it's really all about relationships. And um, it's so amazing. Yeah, and they have they have totally enriched my life, and I have learned so much from them. Judy, are there any stories from your experience that have really impacted your life? I, I work on a Friday night. Well, Friday nights, I work at a really nice soup kitchen, and this this sort of um, this is recent. You know, like two weeks ago, this. The sort of um, agitated man came in, and he always used to joke with him, and he, but he wasn't in a joking mood, and he, he just sort of grabbed me close to me, put his forehead next to my forehead, and he said, I need you to pray for me. Hmm. And right right with, out of my, my mouth, I said, I will, if you, if you pray for me. And he said, we've got a pact. 
and it was that was it. And then he, awesome. you know, he walked he walked away, and I walked away. So, yeah. So those little moments of grace that I just treasure. That's so great. Now you've taken a lot of the moments and the stories that you've had over the years of doing this. You put them into a book called "You Are My Brother." Uh, why did you decide to to write a book about this? Well, I've been writing since 2008. I've been writing um, articles for our, our local Austin paper, Austin American Statesman. And I found that more and more, um, it was in a faith column, uh, more and more I was writing about homelessness. I wasn't intentional. It was just kind of creeping in, among other articles. And people would um, either contact the paper or me from other places, and they'd say, well, can I use this article? Could I have a copy of this article? A pastor might say, could I use this in the sermon? And I thought, okay, I'm just going to put these together. So there's 34 what I call stories. And uh, 33 of them actually appeared in the Statesman, and then I wrote around them. And the first one was not in the Statesman because I didn't submit it, and that's where the title came from, You Are My Brother, an incident that I had um, in a pretty rough neighborhood. But um, it's, I think it's, I'm just trying to reach everybody that, that might possibly have a change of heart. And so the good thing is if you're not a reader, they're all 700 words because that was my nice. limit from the Statesman. <laughs> so, it's, you know, they're, it's, they're short and, and, I, and I hope sweet and well, they all have a sort of similar vein about people or events or what happens. I imagine it's probably pretty hard, but do you have, like, a favorite story from the book that sticks out for you? Oh, my goodness. I guess I guess the first one, Mike, would be um, actually the cover of the book, which I don't know, know if you can see, but the cover of the book is this wonderful sort of scattered painting, and um, it was done by a friend of mine who was homeless, and she's the first person that I really met on the streets in, in 2003. And um, I had been sleeping by myself in sort of an alley. And I thought, no, if I'm really on the streets, I'm on the streets. I'm going to sleep with the with the homeless people. So um, I went to the guys who were out there, and I said, let me let me be with you tonight. And they wherever they looked at me, like you got to be crazy, lady. <laughs> um, and um, this woman, Laura, came up to me, and she said, "Don't go with them. You come with me." And I thought oh, what does she know? Because she was clearly homeless, and I thought, does she know that I will be raped or hit over the head or whatever? She said, yeah. they, use, they use bad language. Oh. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that beautiful? They cuss a little isn't, bit and come away. <laughs> and, and, I mean, she didn't know me. She, she didn't know I was a grandmother or head of a school. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was so sweet. So anyway, I, I stayed with her for um, basically the next three night, two nights and three days, and she just taught me a whole lot about being homeless and about being human, and she became a good friend. And that the painting that's on the cover of the book, she did. So I, I just, you know, that's very. She was very special to me. Did you have any moments that were really shocking to you in uh, any of those experiences in time? Um, shocking, yes and no. I've, I had a good friend who died recently, lived on the streets, and when I first met him, um, he was hard to reach. He didn't want to be reached. But I just kept kind of reaching out and reaching out to him, and he had one leg. And I wrote about him in the book, uh, about buying shoes for him. And then within the last maybe four years, he lost his other leg. Mm. And um, he was a heroin addict. And um, I remember being with him one time in his little place under the highway, and um, he was in a wheelchair, and I handed him something. And and in his lap, it fell um, this sort of eight-inch honey knife. And from a blanket, and he said, I have to be able to protect myself. And I said, yeah, you do. So I mean, he's, 
you know, it's a different world. Yeah. You just have to adjust. And another time, I, he was sleeping in his little space, and he had his knife, which I knew. And there was also a roll of toilet paper next to him. And I know that sounds gross, but yeah. that's reality. You know, yeah. that's reality. And I thought, yeah, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Now, so, um, after these, like, well, so how many years has it been now? Sorry, did you say 2003? <laughs> Yeah, 15 years I've been doing this. So 15 years, uh, a lot of experience. You've gotten to know people experiencing homelessness really well. Uh, Not all of us can go and sleep on the streets, maybe. Uh, I have young kids at home and stuff. I should probably stay with them. But what can can we do to help people experiencing homelessness then? I think people like you, a pastor and with little kids, I think the most important thing you can do or anybody can do is just to see them as individuals. You know, all these, all different cities are putting out, we've got 2,000 homeless, we've got 6,000 homeless. Every one of those numbers represents a person. And so if you can just, in your mind, turn around the number and say, that's that's Charlie who lives on the corner, that's that's Marie who flies her sign down there, so that there's a, some sort of identification of a human being behind that number. Um, and then the other thing I would say, which your kids can do, I don't even know how old they are, but... Just recognize them as human beings. And when I was on the streets, the hardest thing for me was not that I didn't have money or that I didn't have a place to sleep or a place to eat, but that people really dissed me. They they just pretended I didn't exist, and it was so, so hurtful. Yeah, I often hear about that, uh, the the invisible people, they're called yeah, up here, they're often exactly. referred to, right? Yeah, it's it, I, I can't tell you how much it hurts. And um, so I, I would say, simple thing, if you're in your car, just give a wave, give a thumbs up, smile. And they love when kids reach out to them that way because they don't feel like they're a pariah. They feel like they're a real human being. Um, you can you can give any little presents. You have like a bottle of water or a pair of socks, which are really really important. Or you can give money. You don't have to give money. I I occasionally give money, but I know who I'm giving money to in terms of I I can tell when they're really homeless. They're they're tired. They're dirty. They're probably handicapped. They have bad teeth. They, they 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 might need it. Now I don't care what they do with it. I just that's not my that's not my problem. My problem is am I going to reach out and give? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. One of the things my wife started to doing lately, uh the past few months is she started making little uh well, big packages in large Ziploc freezer bags and they've got toiletries in it and yeah, socks perfect. and little things like that and granola bars yeah. and, and the people have loved those when we give them to them. And they love it, and it's 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 two it's two pronged, Mike. It, the prong is first prong is yes, they need those things. The second prong is more important. Somebody's thinking about me. Yeah. Somebody cares about me. Somebody sees me. That's the more important thing. And for your your little kiddos, um, what a life lesson you're giving them. Oh my goodness, that that will stay with them forever. My mom and my dad care enough about other people to do this. They may not think about it till they're a teenager, but um, it, 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 will, it will stick with them. This is how this is how we treat other people. Again, the book is called "You Are My Brother." What are you hoping, Judy? People that read the book take away from that. I just hope I'm opening their minds, opening their hearts, and and realizing that their homeless people are not all um, alcoholics or drug addicts. There's many, many reasons people are on the streets. Many, many reasons. Also, I, I say sometimes when I talk to groups that. You know, we could be out there. We yeah. are a member of our family or one of our friends because it doesn't take much. It could be a natural disaster. It could be an accident you've had. It could be a major illness. And you could find yourself out there or your child or your, you know, sister. 
and I'm surprised that the number of people come up to me after and they say, you know, my my teenage grandson is on the streets and I don't know where he is, or my sister's been on the streets for 20 years. So, you know, it's it's they they are not separate from us. They are us. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> I could uh, talk to you for hours, too, Michael. We're, 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 we're kindred spirits. <laughs> I think maybe we'll give you a call again sometime, Judy. But uh, tell people, where can we find the book? I assume Amazon, probably. Amazon. Hooray for Amazon, yes. Judith, do you have your own website? I do, and it's and it's in the... Um, my website is judithdnots.com. And um, also, in, in, it's in the back of the book, so they can... They can send me a note. I had a note re- recently from a woman I loved. I don't even know her. She just said, somebody gave me your book, and I read it. And um, um, I live in sort of a godless community, and she said, but I now believe. And she had my favorite line was she said, and I ride the bus. So, <laughs> I, it was just so honest. You know? That's great. <laughs> so, but those are the best ones for me. So, yeah, I'd love to get you know notes or comments. What an amazing woman. So amazing. I'd love to meet her. We'll talk to you again on Connections.